Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, awesome God. How great you are. Lebrohos Abrahando Gabasiki Rosta Brandes. Boho Ciprianda Kazi Grossi Giriagasto Gabazigido. Mando Brosi Brehanda Rabazigo Toborobo Zikerelebes. Labaha Ziki Dobrosi Kebrahanda Zuboroto Zebrahanda. Amando Gobaze Karozi Gragotondalaba Zibrodolobos. Lebohondorobo Zibre Kepazitondolobos. Lord, we lift you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we exalt your name. King of kings, Lord of lords, mighty God, everlasting one. Lebohozi Gibaharogoste. Branto da 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 ba zibranto da 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 ba seke de de baske. La ba ha zindoro ba zibrando gabaziki digi barobos. La brando la la ba zibrando la la ba zabranto da da bas. Manda la la ba zobaho zibrando da la ba zeke te de lebreziko to da la bas. Brando la ba zabrando la la ba zibre gabadeliaze. Alabaha zobahosi andalalaba. Labahosi keterebe ziketorobo stebra andalalaba. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are not here. Lord, we ask that you dispatch angels to bear them up on the wings of eagle to bring them to yourself. Lebrohondo sigibaratoski brondobastabaros tigreasto. Gabazundigiboto de garasigro zobato. Mabato baraba sabato gabati kabos. Labahan doro zibron tobo zebre katololobo. Ayan tobo lalobo sebaha talalaleba zibron lalobo. Ayan tololobo zigebeha gato zibre andololobos. Alemahan toba zebre kabo zigete debe. Brandorobo ziki dibe gabato geba zigebaro zibada. Aye gabazo gotondolobos, mandarabas zebrahan talalabas, obaha zebarabadalaba, lebosike de leba zokotolobos zebrandalaba, lebroho zebre gabaha zebrahan tolobos zebahadaya, rabazeke tolobos zigete de lebe zebrehendalaba, mozibrehe de leba zobahan tolobos zagabadebaraba. Labaha zoboto baraba zekeba yeba zabrando lolaba zeba dalalaba zebrando lolaba niya huote eye unyakupo nidieta Amen, amen, amen. 
Your name be lifted this morning. Lord, we come to receive instruction from you and to be commanded in the way of life. Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Ghost, take over. Heavenly Father, let there be great inspiration in this place. Lord, I thank you for your very powerful angels that I see in this place. Bahandu Gibrahako Zigiri Gabo. Legobahan tekeros tigrando bazibahados. Lebozibrontora kapa sugidi. Lord, speak to us. Let there be a flow. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We thank God. Bible says, where two or three are gathered, the Lord is in our midst. The Lord is here. Um, good to be back again. But this time, this morning, uh, to some part of the afternoon, we want to look at issues of leadership. And I wish almost everybody was here because of uh, the objective. However, when a prophet in Israel is sent by God and he goes into, say, the city of Samaria, but he is sent to speak a word over the whole of Israel, but the pivotal point, the, should I call it the epicenter? If you know what an epicenter is, it is almost um, the first place an earthquake will announce itself. It is the first opening. When an earthquake is agitating down the ground, it's the first place an earthquake announces itself and then it goes, the ripple effect goes up. So if you study the diagram on an earthquake, you would see that there's always a drawing and with an opening down to... The, uh, the earth crust and where the reactions are taking place. That is the first. And in fact, before even the earthquake happens or even a volcano happens, in fact, it's, we're talking about volcano, volcano. Before an, a volcano erupts, you actually would see that it begins to announce itself. It has an edge, a particular point. It begins to shoot out fumes, tiny little fumes that goes into, into the sky. But beneath there, there is actually rumblings and thunderings and events taking place. Now, so a prophet goes into Samaria and has a message for the whole of Israel. He declares it over Samaria, whether you were there 
whether you heard it or not, you are judged by the same way. That is the severity of what we do in the body of Christ. So it becomes so important that um, in the body of Christ, everybody develop a listening ear. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, down to uh, chapter 3, where Jesus Christ gave messages to the churches, he addressed the pastor, the angel of that particular community, and addresses the church at the end, and said that he that he who have ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You would notice that that word was addressed to everybody. Meanwhile, the word was spoken to the angel of the Lord, that is to say, the servant of God that led the community. So it becomes so important for us that whatever we're going to declare here will begin to spark off inspirations in the heart of many more of our brothers and sisters who are not even here and therefore will begin to catch that spirit of leadership. The story is told of Eldad and Medad who could not join the 70 elders on the mountain top in the presence of the Lord where God took his grace that was upon Moses and distributed it, impacted it, shared it, administered it into the life of all the other elders. Because there was a need that the leaders begin to see as the leader is seen. And there was a need that if the leaders begin to see as the, 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 the head is seen, then their families can see as well. You will notice in that story of the murmurings and the complaints that even men who were family heads stood at the, the door of their tent and they wept. It means that they were so overwhelmed. Therefore, I believe that when we speak this word, even those of us who are not present will catch the spirit and begin to run with it. Just like Eldad and Medad stood in the camp, couldn't have the opportunity to be up there, but yet they prophesied. They began to prophesy. And Joshua said, Moses, would you stop them? They didn't turn up. They didn't come to this place. Why would they also be prophesied? He said, I would that the Lord, all the Lord's people were prophets. That is where we are heading to. So uh, we want to look at leadership. I'm just going to uh, start off with some objective of this meeting. Uh, as I've had discussions and prayed and I've understood. Now, one of the things that we seek to do through this medium, I believe is going to be events that will be coming and rolling in the years coming to build people. And you will get to understand why it is so. I wish everybody was here. I tell my people something. I said, everybody who, who is sitting here is a leader. So don't walk in here as a church member and come and sit down as a spectator. But you are a leader. You have a responsibility. So the first thing I want to say is that we want to use this platform to actually plant the seeds of leadership. Or would I say that the seeds of leadership are already in people and want to use this plus platform to inspire all members, all members, all members, business people, pastors, youth leaders, um, worship leaders, uh, husband and wife, children, we want to inspire all members to rise to their moment of obligation. It is called leadership. Into their moment of accepting who they are and to walk in that flow. Therefore, we talk about our vocations, our pastoral calling, whether in the area of teaching, whether you're a prophet, whether you're an apostle, a businessman, whether you are an educationist, whether you are 
um, a consultant, these principles from the word of God will cut across and can be applied everywhere. Being a political leader, being a parliamentarian, this will apply. So we want to also use this platform to create and foster an enabling environment for people to discover and develop their greatness. And we want to use it to shape transformational leaders for now and beyond. For now and beyond. Let me quickly say that the future is only available for those who craft it today. Sometimes people wait for the future to arrive at them. But that is not it. So as a church that is gaining foresight and being inspired by the Holy Spirit in understanding what is coming our way, what are the challenges of tomorrow, what are the challenges of government leaders in the years coming, what are the challenges of business leaders in the years coming, what are the challenges of pastoral leadership in the years coming. Just imagine the world in which we are when they are, doing, they are carrying out human cloning and all. We must begin to think, what kind of people are we going to be pastoring even 20 years from now, 50 years from now? What kind of people are we going to be leading? Business people of all sorts and all caliber and all forms are walking into our meetings and sitting in our meetings. How are we going to lead these people? It's very important that we foster this environment to begin to, to, begin to forge a very strong transformational leadership. The word leadership is not a relaxed word. It's not a noun. The word leadership is a verb. If I say I want to lead, it means that I want to move something from one location to the other. The word leadership relates to influence. So we are looking for transformational leaders. The word leadership relates to Activity, actions, inspiring, carrying out things in, in a form that brings so much transformation around us. And therefore, let's also be quickly to say that we cannot influence influence. We cannot influence influence. Leadership is influence. We cannot influence other leaders. We cannot lead other people if we have not arrived at our own personal discovery of who we are, we cannot lead, we cannot bring change. Leadership, therefore, arrives at the place of change, changing things, managing things, and changing them. There is actually a difference between who is a leader and who is a manager. There are two different things. We want to both become a people who are managing yet have strong transformation leadership power and have the ability to distribute, innovate. In fact, today's leadership needs to be a leadership that is pushing the limit, disturbing things that are working already, questioning things that are already functioning. It's an action word. Leadership is a verb. Activities, action, movement from one location to the other. Shifting things, bringing change. Therefore, we want to foster that environment for true transformational leadership for now and beyond. It means that if I'm a pastor, I have to begin to think about tomorrow. If I'm a pastor, I have to begin to think about what happens. What happens? Um, some time ago, I asked my leaders, and I even sent a text message out. I said, if I die today, or assuming the Lord asks me to leave what I'm doing and go somewhere else, 
Can you guys continue with the vision? And many of them came back and saying, I don't think I truly understand the vision. I don't, I don't think I truly understand what you carry. And another one also says, yes, I can. But at some point he said, no, I don't think I can do it. It means that there is some work to be done. And those who did not understand, one of them who did not understand, started fighting everybody around. That why is it that I gave somebody responsibility and they give him that responsibility? It means that the person does not even understand. He thinks leadership is a position. Leadership doesn't start with a position, but leadership starts with a discovery of your personal influence, your personal leadership. So we need to foster that environment. Now, um, I doubt if we'll be able to talk about all of these things. So I will select a few things and talk about them. However, um, in the sessions now and in the future, now and uh, uh, maybe now and possibly the future, we'll be looking at powerful uh, elements that makes up effective leadership. We'll be looking at things like vision. Vision. If I talk about vision, I'm not just talking about vision in the sense of enterprise. You know, if we talk about vision, somebody says, okay, I want to build a big house. I want to build a big church. That is frightening. But we want to talk about strategic foresight. Strategic foresight. I remember before I started church, I'll tell you two things, church and business. Before I started church, I remember in 2009, I was praying. I was out of the country. I was praying and asking God, is your strategy. Okay, you want us to even heal the sick. How do we heal the sick? You want us to do prophetic development. What kind of prophetic? Because everybody's doing prophetic. It means that we step into the place of the counsel of God. We need to come into the very counsel of God. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that they did not stand in my counsel. If they had stood in my counsel, they would have spoken my who are actually stepping into living in the counsel of God. Where we speak, we plan, we execute things from the mind of God. We are talking about an advanced sense, having foresight. 20 years from now, you know and how to arrange things. That is how come, look, there are men and women who have been so effective that you read their materials today. They died 40 years ago, but they are still relevant. Because they were about 40 years ahead of the generation. Those are prayers we need to pray and understand and shape things. There are things that I teach to my church and I tell them, I don't think you understand some of these things that I've taught. However, you need to set them aside and go back to them after three months. You listen again, go back to it after one year. We need to be a people of great foresight, vision. One of the elements that makes um, leadership effective and powerful. We will look at the issue of wisdom, implementation, positioning, strategic foresight. We will look at unction. We are a kingdom people. We cannot lead the world with just charismatism. You know charismatism? I'm not talking about charismatic churches, but I'm talking about having charisma, gift. Charisma. Having a gift. And therefore you think by your gift and your oratory, you can lead people. Where we are heading for, we should know that this realm is infested with demonic powers and therefore you need to both be relevant in the things of what the world understands and be relevant in the scheme of the things of God. Therefore, we need unction, we need anointing. You need to lead with style and dignity. This is very important to me. Style and what? Dignity. There are a lot of leaders 
they, they do not live with dignity. They have no honor. There is no honor. There is no dignity. Because there have been moral failures and collapse in several ways and therefore they have lost their leadership power. Somebody I heard some years ago define leadership to be having the moral power to execute that leadership influence. We need to be a people of style and dignity. I mean, it needs to be with clear-cut beauty and honor. It's going to be with knowledge. Now, you can't lead a people in this century, in this world going forward, without knowledge, with, with an empty head. You'll be leading a people who are more intelligent than you. And therefore, you may not be able to speak any relevant word to them and meet their needs. These are nuggets that leaders, people who are ready to transform things, will probably even go into a look and say, let me um, uh, begin to acquire knowledge. Look, there are things that shift leadership. Everybody, every leader, I tell my people, I say, look, commit to read a book a month, in every month. In about one year, you would have read 12 books. In three years, you have doing 36 You will gain so much. It must be a thing of a personal commitment. When we read, when we learn, we come to contact people, authors, who will influence us when we cannot sit face to face with them to talk with them men and women that you probably would want to talk to so it's imperative imperative for every leader to have a strategy a personal strategy to read many books we must be intentional at that we must be deliberate and very ambitious with our reading. Because reading will result, I mean, discovering knowledge, coming to knowledge. I'm not just talking about any knowledge at all. If somebody just go and read anything. We go and read some yoga and some things that will not help us. I'm talking about things that build. There is a truth that builds. Even in a teaching of the word of God, there is truth that builds and there's truth that just excites your emotions. We don't want truth that just, we don't want just a message and information that just excite us and tickle us. But we want an information, knowledge that is able to drive the people from one location and shift their position because you are a leader. So, um, reading, discovering knowledge will therefore make us to be committed to become a lifelong learner. Commitment to practice continually, uh, 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 continually improving ourselves. So that we become a totally different person. If you as a leader want to lead as a powerful tool, knowledge, it's key. You will become a different person altogether. You will gain knowledge and understanding through self-education. This will result into something I describe as result-demanding leadership. It will result in you becoming a leader that is on the edge and able to call for results, not just relax for things to happen. But you are following after every vision, every dream, and stimulating things to in order to have results. If we come into knowledge in this era to lead the people that we lead, being a business leader, a pastor, a political leader, what you would achieve eventually 
is that you begin to go beyond normal boundaries and normal lines. That is what I call pushing the limits, disturbing things that are already working, not maintaining the status quo. When we come into knowledge, it will stimulate our own creativity. When we come into knowledge, it breaks the narrow-mindedness. Look, you and I have a certain narrow-mindedness, a certain belief. And one of the ways we can kill and destroy that belief is by coming into the depth of knowledge. And eventually, it will result in um, us developing the spirit of excellence. Perhaps maybe the second session, if we would have done three sessions, in fact, we need to do a prophetic session. That is why people did not miss the session because there will be impartational flow. There will be great impartational flow. It will result in we developing the spirit of excellence and it will also develop in you developing character and competence. There are a lot of people who are competent but they do not have character. They are competent, no character. We don't want such leaders. So you become skillful. That's one of the things that is necessary, skillfulness. Bible says that in David, he led the people, commanded them, instructed them by the skillfulness of his hands. By the skillfulness of his hands. We need to be skillful. We cannot just lead as if we were 50 years ago. We need to lead with great inspiration great skillfulness. We need to lead with great care the people of God to where God wants them to be. We inspire new hope. We inspire transformation. We inspire change and bring them into the realm of life in God. If you read uh, the book of Psalm chapter, chapter 78 in the verse uh, 72, he says, so he shepherded them. Speaking about David. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. The integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So you see two things. It cannot just be skillfulness of hands, but there needs to be integrity of heart. Leadership flows from the heart. Leadership, does not, leadership flows from the heart. If it's not here, it will collapse eventually. We need to become a people of great leadership. So, the last thing is that we sitting here will have to discover and express our own personal ministry and callings. And that will complement the body of Christ. And that will complement living streams. That will make the work here complete. Our leader carries a grace you also carry a certain flavor and anointing. In the midst of the darkness, what makes it beautiful? You see the stars all crisscrossing with their lights. When you fly in the night, you see, even you see the beauty more. When you look up there, and when you look down, when you are about to land in a city or something, you find the light crisscrossing in the dark, and that creates beauty. But if one lamp stood in the midst of the dark and said, I am going to just shine, and therefore I am killing everybody's shine, there can never be completeness and there can never be a hope. I mean, you are flying into a city. You know that this city is this. And suddenly, you only see one lamp in the city. You are literally scared. You wonder what you are going into. You wonder what you are landing into. 
you wonder what is going to happen to you. So we want to be a people that complement everything. Now, let me state, uh, let me touch a very important thing. That today's leadership that is succeeding, business, church, um, political, name it, every facet, we need to be a leadership or let me say an institution of leaders. That is very important. I'll explain something. We need to be an institution of leaders. What do I mean? That we need to be an institution of leaders. What it means is that we need to build or create a leadership institution where everybody is a leader. Where everybody is a leader. I know I'm speaking to some leaders here. I know I'm speaking to some pastors here. And perhaps business people. Now, you must understand that trapped in every follower is a leader. Everybody that comes into your community that you lead, anybody that is in your group, trapped in that person is a leader. Perhaps the person is not expressed because he or she has not discovered it. Or he has discovered it and is afraid of himself. You know, literally, people see themselves, when they see their real self, they actually take to flight. We need to build a church where everybody is a leader. So I told my people, I said, look, this year we have project, what I call it project, project 50-50. I said, this is project 50-50. We want to have an institution of 50-50 leaders. What it means is that whilst we're hitting 100, everybody, nobody lives in the peripheral. Nobody lives at the outer fringes. Nobody lives at the end and saying, I am not involved. Everybody, we need to design a system as a church. Matrices that are able to bring people in. You get born again. You are brought through discipleship. So we're using church as a model, for example. You are brought through discipleship. You are nurtured, you are developed, Holy Ghost baptized, demons perhaps cast out of your body, you are set free from certain strongholds, your body healed, that is salvation, you are prospered financially, you rise into a place to begin to influence others and you carry others along. But, you know, what is happening in the body of Christ is that there is a shift. If, let's say, the pastor, the lead pastor, we we'll have to wake up and visit everybody every day. How much time will he have to prepare all his teachings, his, 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 uh, uh, arrange his activities, coordinate even the church? It's going to be literally difficult. But when you have an institution of leaders, the, 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 the institution itself, the church itself manages themselves and begins to inspire everybody to move along. So, we call this directive leadership. Where the, the lead pastor commands and everybody is gravitating and there is inspiration and creativity and everybody is flowing. That the leader will not need to come and say, have you done this and done that and that? Arrange, arrange, arrange before things are arranged. But people already understand and they live in the vision. They are actually living in the vision of the leader. If you are an employer and you want to employ people, one of the key things you need to look for, for example, is to look for a people who are buying into the vision rather than a people who see a job and a salary. An institution of leaders. 
So time must be taken right from church, right from discipleship. It must be well arranged that the vision of the church is crafted and drawn and imprinted and balls infused into the people. We are not talking about brainwashing, but we are talking about empowering a people. Institution of leaders. So trap in every follower is a leader. Once I understand this principle as a leader myself, then I know that I cannot take the people I lead for granted. Then I know that if I have to talk to these people, I must be well resourced because you cannot give what you do not have. And the very moment we'll arrive to give out a thing, it is only what we have become and learned and experienced that it's what we can offer. So there must be preparation way ahead in order to equip the people. So, it is about transforming leadership into change influence. So, we are not just bringing the people into leadership, but moving them from just being, okay, I'm a leader, I believe myself, I've discovered myself, I'm trying to lead, but to become resources, agents, or change influence in our society. Change influence in our churches. Change influence in everything we do. Therefore, this leads me to a point that I need to say. I'm talking towards discovering your personal leadership. I'm going to speak to a number of things. I'll speak a bit about discovering personal leadership. Then I'll talk about some leadership principles. We'll probably look at Jethro and um, and Moses. Then um, I'll shift to something else. And we probably will wrap up on this introduction. And uh, maybe we do the spirit of excellence. We talk about the spirit of excellence. And uh, if there is time, we can talk about uh, flowing the prophetic. Then I can explain some few things to you. And uh, maybe in the evening, we can talk about seeking spiritual impartation. So that uh, I see an angel in this place who spoke to me and said, he is here, he has been here. And written across his chest is healing. So I believe and I see strongly that in the evening there's going to be, uh, I'm assured in my spirit, I know in my spirit that this angel is not living here. This angel is going to be here. Very glorious being. Uh, So in the evening we can go into all of that, but let's address these issues of leadership. So uh, uh, talking about transforming leaders to become change influence, it leads me to something. Nobody, no human being, nobody, no human being, please leaders listen to me. See some leaders don't they treat them anyhow? It is because perhaps they do not understand this principle. No human being is born empty. If you understand this principle, it can change your leadership totally. It changes the way you see the people that come to you, it changes the way you see that gentleman that is sitting by the street. That you probably could just speak to and say the Lord loves you. It changes the way that lady will walk up to you. Many, many leaders today, we talk about integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. Many leaders today don't have integrity of heart. And I speak to the effect that they do not have eyes of honor. So you find leaders who walk up, uh, you find people or potential leaders, followers who, are, who, are, who have leadership trapped in them. It's like the tree that is trapped in a seed. You find these wonderful seeds 
walking into an environment that they should be enabled and become and these men and these women abuse and take advantage of them right across moral issues to finance and to everything because they do not understand nobody is born what? empty everybody is born is brought into this earth to express let me say it in the church contest and let me say it in the kingdom contest in the kingdom contest if you understand it surpasses everything it surpasses politics it surpasses now look at it the the political world thinks they want a solution i understood albert einstein said something he said you cannot solve a problem and change a situation at the same level it was created Human beings created problems. And human beings thought the solution to the problem is government, democracy. Therefore, let's go to an election and, 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 and have people come in. You recording? Yep. And have people come in to become parliamentarians and therefore uh, legislate and give us laws to govern things. Yes, the solution is government. Therefore, when God knows that to solve this problem, he has to deliver a government. And this government comes from a kingdom. So speaking about nobody is born empty and therefore from the kingdom perspective, that surpasses every kingdom, every nation, every ruler, every, every church, every pastor, every business, is that everybody that is created by God, if you read the book of Isaiah chapter 43, he says that I created you for my glory. And he says my glory I share with no man. He says I created you so that you can give full expression of Christ. When we come into this world, we are come well packaged, not empty to express. So the, government, the governments of the world are seeking solutions from the same position at which they created it. The very human beings that created it are the same people they put in parliament and they put in such places. And they are not able to devise solutions that bring change to the situation we solve one problem we create two we pass laws that eventually heals matter and create five problems for generations we do not have foresight we do not have vision we are enterprising we build the big roads but we do not think about the future we use chemicals and we do not think about its effects 20 years from now. We dig holes, we do trenches, we do all kinds of things. We do not think that generations coming will fall into it. The Bible says a wise leader, a wise man, a wise leader leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I keep thinking to myself, you do not know how many Maybe you have four sons and you don't know how many children they will deliver. And in that Hebraism, children's children, what it means is that children's children, children's children's children, children's children, a wise man leaves an inheritance for the generations yet unborn. He has foresight 50 years from now, I see an event happening and therefore I must build things now. If we begin to craft our churches, because it's, because it's leadership and we need to speak to several levels, I don't want to jump like a pastor. <laughs> but let me say something. 
If you look at the tabernacle of David in the book of Amos, you find the same expression in the book of Acts chapter 9, chapter 15. In the book of Amos chapter, chapter 9, it says that the Lord will restore the broken runes or the runes of, of David, the tent of David. And it is such that it will be with the outlook for the dispossessed people, the people of Edom to come. How do you build an institution that is open, has a door that opens on the outside, but has a door that closes when the people enter? So that they can be saved, they can be nurtured and become who they are and release through another door to influence out, out there. We need to begin to think very deep. Leadership today requires deep thought and a deep sense. We cannot solve our problems at the same level at which we created it. So God seeing that there is a need, he gave something called government. And this government is kingdom. Kingdom is different than Christianity. Kingdom is bigger than the earth. Therefore, in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It's so surpassing, it's so powerful, that it can just be contained by the earth. When we talk about the kingdom, it encapsulates, it encapsulates, uh, 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 it's, it's all encompassing, it is, it is, it is everything, right from the eternal realm into this realm. The government of God, the kingdom of God encapsulates the earth, the satanic kingdoms, the kingdoms of the world, everything. And therefore, we can only change when we arrive there. So, when you, are, when you begin to understand life, or when you begin to understand the shape and the constitution of God's doing this way, it changes the way you see a church member. And therefore, Changes even what you teach to the people. You, 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 you will not just even wake up and just wash your face alone. As for these people, they don't understand anything. Let me just preach anything to them. Because if we will not act that way in our business, then why would we act in our face of the church that way? It will change. I mean, it will lead to deep research. It will lead to a balance in our thinking. Okay, so if I make this statement, what effect would it have on the people? And what ripple effect could it have tomorrow? How could this statement be interpreted? Okay, even I'm a prophet. How does the leadership spirit runs through my prophetic flow? How do I prophesy to this woman and not destroy his home and destroy his church? How do I, I mean, several things come together. I said the best institution that is ever living is the kingdom. And it is expressed through the church. Everybody is born to express the fullness of Christ, which is emanating from the kingdom. However, we must understand that when we come to that point of everybody loaded, it does not call for pride. It calls for formation. It calls for divine formation. It calls for order. Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, the verse 40, he says, let everything be done done decently and in order. We come to the spirit of excellence and then we'll look at this scripture carefully. So, personal, now you sitting here, the people you lead, your employees, uh, as a parliamentarian, your community that you that looks up to you as an assemblyman, the people that looks up to you, you must discover your personal leadership, and those people must also discover their personal leadership. Because nobody is born empty. The world is only made complete when all of us have given an expression of our light. The darkness is a spell, and beauty is created when we crisscross. 
when you see the sun about to set, and you see, you see that golden glow of the sun, do you know what is actually happening? It's a mixture of darkness and light coming together and shooting for certain beautiful rays. And it's so beautiful that you wish it would never go down. Sometimes when I travel out of town and I'm being driven, you find me with my camera and I'll be shooting the sun rays during sunset. We are maybe driving through a mountain top, so I'm able to capture it from a certain angle. I, I, I keep shooting it so that I can have, I have some image even on one of my phones. I actually shot it myself with my camera. If you see it, you think it's somebody that did it. Saw the sun rays mixing up with dark shades and giving off rays a mixture of light and darkness. Bringing forth beauty. So, personal leadership must be discovered, must be refined and developed, nurtured, and must be deployed. <laughs> Today, many people are not deployed. I like it. That is why when I see your, your banners, uh, is it discover it, develop it, deploy. When I see it, I'm, in, I'm so inspired because that is the secret of an existence in an environment of leadership. It must be discovered. Personally, you must know who you are. Many people, now, something that will challenge your mind. Many people think that leadership is not about people following you. So we're coming to another issue now. Leadership is not about people following you, but leadership is first of all you. It starts with you. Because the world, you know, I think there's a Chinese proverb that says that he who leads without anybody following is taking a walk. That is not leadership. Because it doesn't start with somebody following you. First of all, it is personal. You, me. You must be empowered. So we need to discover it. And that point again, every human being has a purpose. Every human being has a purpose. And purpose is the most powerful thing in the earth today. Talk about Holy Spirit and all. Apart from that, purpose is the most powerful thing. In the book of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, it says that many are the plans in the heart of a man, in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Purpose is everything. It governs everything. It rules and manages everything. Therefore, a man that is working in his purpose has so much approval from God. So much approval from God. And I say that in this regard, abortion, therefore, is not about uh, terminating of a baby or killing a human being. Abortion is basically about terminating destiny, purpose. Because everybody is inspired and brought into this earth to lead. To lead. So the greatest fear we would have is that or let me put it this, the greatest fear um, should not be that we will fail but succeeding at things that don't really matter. Many people are pursuing things that don't really matter. The greatest fear should be that we are fulfilling things that don't really matter. Purpose is very key. So, um, in a short while, let's talk about personal leadership discovery. Discover your personal leadership. I'll talk about this and bring it to a summarized point. Then, I will quickly shift. I'll quickly shift. I'll quickly shift. I just want this session to run for about an hour so that I can stop. So I'll quickly shift to, to, to talk about something else uh, in regarding to leadership. But let's talk about discover personal leadership. 
let's say that, according to Dr. Miles Monroe, he said, leadership is firstly personal, not public. Not public. <laughs> so it comes back to that statement we just made, that he who leads and thinks nobody is following, is taking just a walk. It's not true. One is a leader not because he's traveling in the public domain and he's shouting and everybody's following him. One is a leader because he knows who he is and he's persuading others to discover themselves, to become who they are, and to influence others more to become who they are. One is a leader in that regard. Therefore, pastors, business people, parliamentarians, youth leaders, you cannot lead others if you do not know who you are. This is a big issue. You're confused. How do you lead the people? Where are you going to take them? Ah. The Bible says, I think in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, it says that Jesus, leave them. They are blind guides. When the blind leads the blind, the result is that you fall into a ditch. So you cannot lead people when we cannot lead people when we do not know where we are going, who we are, and all. Therefore, leadership requires, personal leadership requires very great responsibility. Powerful responsibility. It places a demand upon you to go seek the Lord, discover, to know who you are. So that you can bring people through. True leadership is about discovering your potential, your gift, your talents. And serving people, serving humanity with dignity and class through your gift. This is very important because today in many ways, for example in our church world, many people ridicule church. They do not see anything right with church. So just leave them. They will just speak in tongues and they go. They have no brains in their head. Yes, we know everything is not about brain. I'll share a story with you. I met a very young, upcoming billionaire this week. Let me just see. He was my friend. And he, he is my friend, not just a friend. He is my friend. And he's doing very well in this country. Young guy. I think I'm older than him or we are just the same age. Young guy, he's not 40. He's not 40. But he's making money. In 2010, thereabout, he approached me and said, Mark, I need a job. I really need a job. By 2011, he went to one of our friends. We talk about release of personal leadership when we begin to talk about environment, the people you work with. You are poor, I'm poor. What kind of company is that? <laughs> Bad company. The people you... So he went to one of our friends and he said, do you want to work for yourself or you want to work for somebody? Uh, he said, I want to work for myself. I said, okay, I have a friend. I would like you to speak with this friend. Whatever he tells you, just talk with him. He's going to talk to you and whatever he tells you, do it. So he had a chat with this friend and the guy was talking and talking and he told me during this meeting, he told me that when the gentleman was talking to him, he saw a vision. 
He moves in a prophetic tune. But he saw a vision. In this short vision, he was somewhere away. But he was still hearing this guy and God was also talking to him. And God was showing him the secret of wealth. Then, he got the name of his company in Ghana. He got his name of his company whilst that was going on. So, when the finished talking, he asked the gentleman, all that you have told me, this very one, can I, can I carry it out with my own company name? He said, yes, you can do it. Like, I'm doing mine. He said, what's the name of your company? He mentioned the name of his company. He said, go ahead. Today, he's making money. He's traveling France, uh, America, here, Ghana, Nigeria, as, as, as receiving awards in China and uh, wherever, in Nigeria, giving talks and inspiring thousands of people, organizing programs all around the country, inspiring people. And he told me something. He said, I went on a 21-day fast because of what I was trying to say. Everything is all about prayer. The world looks at us differently, but look, we have a very powerful model of leadership. We have a very powerful model of wealth creation. We have a very powerful model of great change. Church, body of Christ, the kingdom has solution. You cannot solve the problem at the same level at which they were created. You need to step beyond the problem and look at things with an eagle eye and see it holistically from the very perspective of, of, of its original emergence and begin to drive that problem back to fit into its original form. So in a 21 days fast, he was just asking God, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me how. Well, 21 days, all he was praying, I want to become a billionaire. I want to build churches for people, for, for pastors. I want to become a billionaire. Lost for 21 days. I said, wow. This fast is wonderful. It was in these 21 days, God began to inspire and said, it's not everything that's about prayer. If you want to go to Kumasi and you're in a car heading for Aflau, you are in the wrong vehicle. He said, son, you are in the wrong vehicle. You want to become a billionaire? No single billionaire. He did a research. He told me he did a research where he discovered, he, he did a research on 83 billionaires in the world and discovered that none of them were employees. Another thing that I add to that is that everybody that is a billionaire today sold something. I'm telling you, Bill Gates is selling and we are buying. Steve people, Steve Jobs is gone, they are selling. You are paid for the solutions that you provide to the problems in your society or your society, you are paid for that. And it is coming through the discovery of your personal gifts and talents. That is where leadership starts from. That is where leadership starts from. So he discovered that 83 of these billionaires, none of them, he just did, did a research on 83 and realized none of them work for themselves. And God said, you are in the wrong vehicle. You are in employment. You never make it. Go and face it. He said, I have moved. I have moved from Mark. You know me. I was searching for a job. Now, I was in a rented apartment. Into Trotsky. And I have moved from rented apartment into I have moved to Trotsky. I have four brand new cars. I just got a house. $115,000. And he's humble and he just walked. He said, he, said, he, said, he said, a great bishop. A great bishop. I said, I, said, I don't know what to even call because you are elevating me to where I do not belong. 
what he said, I am so honored when I had your text message telling me that let's sit and talk and show me the leadership principle to discovering wealth. He said, I feel so honored because I know you. And I said, yes. I sat in the house and I realized that I needed to discover something to step into another realm to make wealth. And I felt that I have to talk to you. He said, with your background, you, you, you already fit into something brand new that is coming. I'm putting you on this platform and we've got to start running. I think today, for example, we're going to have a conference call with, with a group head coming from the U.S. We're going to have a conference call online to discuss business and how to sell certain solutions and to make wealth. So the world cannot look upon us as a people that are just shouting and have no solution to problems. Personal leaders with you. It doesn't start with people following you can have people following and never reach, for example. You can have people following and there is no impact. You can have people following and there is no change. There is no influence. We need to discover ourselves. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 25, the verse 22, 25. He says that this is the way the world does it. They lord it over the people. But with you it shall not be so. With you, if you really want to become a leader... Set the world through your giftings and your capacities that I've given you. In 2 Kings chapter 8, the verse 1 through 8, we see that there was a prophet. Look at the situation. Bad situation. Kingdom, but bad situation. A prophet died and the debtors came to take two of his his uh, sons into slavery. And the widow of this prophet ran to another prophet. Look at the dimensions. Prophet, prophet. But this prophet said, what do you have in your house? Discover something. You need to discover what you have. Pastor, you need to empower the people in what they have because the seed is already there and the seed is actually in fact the big tree that they carry, I call it the seed principle, the master seed principle. You can, you can just write in your notes, the master seed principle. You can go back and discover it. Bible says when it springs up, it is very small. When it springs up, it becomes a big tree and the bears of the air come to nest, roost in its branches. Discover your personal leadership. Serve the world through them. Serve the world through them. Serve the world through your personal leadership. Therefore, we've said already that true leadership is a discovery of your purpose. Why are you here in the earth? Nobody came into the earth to warm the pews and go, but everybody came with a purpose. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who has saved us? Look at, look at the beauty of how we our purpose is actually being actualized and perpetuated. Two things are just realization and moving forward, advancing and implementing into the future. Actualize and perpetuation of our purpose. Look at it. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Nobody was born empty. 
Nobody was born empty. Second Corinthians chapter 1, the verse 9. So each man is crafted by God with the spirit of leadership and rulership. All of us, we are built by God to walk in that spirit of leadership and rulership. And there are three things here. When I talk about discovering your personal leadership gift, I think uh, right after this, I'll shift to something else. There are three things here. If we talk about personal leadership in business, in everywhere, in ministry, we are talking about one, you need to discover your talent. What is that God-given talent is given to you? For example, I can do business plans. Nobody taught me how to do it. Nobody taught me how to do it. I remember in 2000 and, am I right? 2000 and, was that 2008? Or, no, 2000 and, hmm, that was in 2000 and, between 2004, 2005, or 2000, thereabout. I had a gentleman who visited our church from London. Michael Frimpong Taylor. He, he visited our church. I was leading worship. He enjoyed the worship. He said, just, this place is just like home. This place, he's lived in the UK for 17 years. When as a young man. So we got talking after service. He said, what do you do? I said, I do this. I consult and do business planning. He said, wow. Okay, I also do this. And we are almost doing the same business line. But he's in UK. I'm in Ghana. And I have a finance background, so I'm able to do an addition to the business plans, which is the forecast and the, and the analysis and all of those. The investment appraisals and all of those. So, he left for the UK and he sent me a contract to execute. In this contract, nobody talked about business plan. So, in this contract, to do some financial uh, the institution, there's a big institution that was seeking for financing to go into the, the big bread and pastries in UK. They want to now go into Poland, France, uh, Belgium, and uh, one other nation. And they were looking for a grant in order to go into this. He sent the documents to me, and we worked on it excellently. Now, before he left, he asked me to show him a sample of what I've done before. I said, okay, I did a plan for an NGO and I didn't take money. I just do it for free. I'm happy I'm doing it. But, uh, Pastor, you know, at least some $5,000 could have just fallen on that plan and it's okay or uh, 10000 is okay. When he saw it, he started flipping through the page. He said, wow. Wow. Look at the layout. Wow. Look at the headings. Wow. Look at the content. But he flipped through it. He just kept saying, wow. I'll send it. That is how come I got that contract. And I was there when he sent me, after we concluded the contract several, month, several months later, he sent me 1,500 pounds. So you to take this. So if you do not discover your personal leadership and you develop and build it, you get stuck. Your talent. What did God give you? When you were coming into the earth, there is an innate thing God built you with. But many a times, you find people are
abandoning that innate thing and pursuing something they see as glamorous and beautiful at the expense of self-realization. What are your spiritual giftings? These three things. If you want to serve in a church, these things are important. If you want to serve in business, politics, wherever, your talent, your spiritual giftings. At least every believer in our community should be working and expressing at least two of the spiritual giftings. At least two of these giftings. Two of these capacities. And the last thing is, what are your acquired skills and knowledge? You have an innate giftings and passion and desires. You have spiritual giftings. And you have what you have acquired through learning or through association or going to a skilled school or going to school. These three things, you must be able to discover them and work in them. Are we clear on it? If we're coming into personal discovery, these things are very important. These three things. Your talent, spiritual giftings, acquired skills and knowledge. And therefore, each man must be able to function within that border or should I call it boundaries that God has given you. Uh, let me just see. I think just when I finish this one, let me shift to something briefly so that we can end this session. And let's ask questions. Let's talk to one another for a few minutes. And even though the eyes are seeing visions, but we keep all for evening. Yes, I'm sincere. We keep all for evening. Let me see, let me end on this note. That is to say, personal leadership is about each man and his giving measure. Maybe time will not permit me to go much into the giving measure, but each man and his giving measure. Let's just define it briefly. Each man and his giving measure. Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 7. But to each one of us, grace, so to each man, grace was given, not will be given, was given. So you understand that we are already arrived or we actually arrived in this realm well packaged. Grace was given according to the measure of the, of, of the gift of Christ or Christ's gift. Very powerful verse. We could teach it to affect any realm. Now look at it. It speaks of the measure of Christ. If you read the verse 11 there about, then it says to each one of them another is apostolicity. To another is given to be a prophet. Another is given to be an evangelist. Another is given to be. So we see that in Christ Jesus lies the fullness of the Colossians chapter 2. The verse 9 and 10. The fullness of God. Therefore at the end of the age, Ephesians chapter 1 the verse 10, at the end of everything in the world, it says that at the full, in the fullness of time that God will gather everything into one in Christ. Everything. Everything. Look, people may be highly gifted and talented and may be doing all kinds of nonsense and call it music. 
People may be talented and be doing all kinds of things. I'm speaking into every realm. Church, I mean, name it, secular world. But the question is that at the end of the day, your giving measure, every man in his giving measure, will it be able to be guarded and taken into Christ? So we have to have a very keen sense when we are running, even with our talents and our measure and our capacities. It's not just, okay, I'm gifted. As for me, I'm gifted to do like somebody was saying. As for me, I'm, uh, it's God that gave me this song uh, so that I can also make some money small. When people are dancing to these tunes in the middle of the road and getting knocked down, I think your imagination should be wilder like mine. Your guess should be good as mine. You probably know the song I'm talking about. People are getting knocked down by cars and they are dying. People are falling from the rooftop and they are dying. You tell me this is an inspiration of God. It says that is each man was given grace according to the measure. It cannot be more than Christ. Anything that is more than Christ will come down. In Ephesians, the same chapter 4, if you read the verse 13, it says that, that, that at the end of the day, in the nature and fullness of the Son of Man, Christ. He is the finality. Christ is the horizon of God. In everything that God is doing, everything it ends at Christ. We are speaking about leadership, but we need to define a contest. If we don't define a proper contest, people will say, okay, my leadership is to, is to raise prostitutes. What kind of leadership is that? My leadership is to it is to build a brothel. What kind of leadership is that? We need people to be thinking within the context of Christ. It cannot fit in, it's cut off. Now, each man is giving grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That word, grace, very important. That word, gift of Christ, is very important. The word grace, the word grace, this is the way I define it. I call it the qualitative the qualitative characteristics that makes Christ who he is. So, God takes in Christ, an example, let's use the fivefold ministry. In Christ is all the five. So, um, each man was given a measure. Apostle is taken. He said, let me take God, let me take apostle and give to that man. Let me take prophet and give to that man. Measure. Grace. Now, the word grace, it also means a divine resource. It's not just grace, favor. It's not just unmerited favor. We are speaking about resource. We are speaking about a thing that equips people to become who they are and effectively discharge the expression of Christ in impacting and bringing transformation to our societies and bringing change in our environment. That thing. I had a story. I had a story of a man, an apostle who lives in uh, Britain, Scotland, somewhere. And he had a kingdom drive. A kingdom leadership drive into Sierra Leone. In this drive, you know there has been a war in Sierra Leone several years ago. So, you come to one meeting of this great man of God and they are not going and say, we are churching. We haven't church. But they walk in as a people that were shining with knowledge and wants to affect society. So, 
They want to change the disease situation. Yet, they have an agenda to bring people into the kingdom. They want to affect the poverty situation. They have an agenda. They want to affect the lack of water situation. The, 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 the sanitation situation. These are issues of leadership we are talking about. So they walk in fully loaded with the kingdom and doesn't look preaching. I mean, if we are invited to come and meet the, the, the leaders of the nation, we don't necessarily need to go looking preaching. We have a doctor here. We just go, it's okay, my credential. This is my background. That one, that one. That is what you understand. That is what you like. Therefore, in even our leadership development, we need to upgrade. We need to build capacities. Because these giftings, this measure of the giftings of Christ, this talent, this acquired skills and knowledge, we need to create compartments for them to be expanded. Can I, can I say something? In the, sec, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 8, the verse 1, the prophet told the woman, as the verse 1 down, he said, what do you have in your house? Your talent, your giftings, your innate abilities, your spiritual giftings, your acquired skills and knowledge. Is that what you have? He said, borrow more vessels. Borrow more vessels. So we cannot just start off as, okay, I'm a prophet, I'm very, uh, I can see visions and therefore I abandon school. One day the Lord is going to bring you before the pharaohs and you are going to do PowerPoint. When he started a PowerPoint to frighten them, he said, okay, I come from, I, I'm a Jew, I come from this background, this is my learning, I am a professor in mathematics and I have accomplished this. Here are some of my research papers, and I'm coming to talk to you. They will listen. Then you also could walk in with all the inspiration like Daniel and said, I have seen visions, and this is a what to build capacity. That is the point. We can't just remain, I'm a professor, I remain there. Build capacity. You can't remain, I'm a business person, and therefore I'm making two, uh, I'm making 200,000 Ghana City every month, and I stop them. Build more capacity. Borrow more vessels. Borrow more vessels. The gift of Christ. Now, that word gift, it amazes me. That word gift is different. If you look at the verse 7, it's different from the word gift we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is charisma. Charisma. Gift. Manifestation. But this gift, the Greek word for the first one is charisma. But this word gift in Ephesians is doria. D-O-R-A-E. Doria. Very different expression, but the same word gift. The other one, gift of the Spirit, it speaks of gracelet. A benevolence. A bestowment of a gift. But this one speaks of something massive, something huge, something more qualitative that makes an ordinary man to do extraordinary things. So, there is something that makes a doctor a doctor. There is another thing that makes a prophet a prophet. It's called the gift the qualitative measure of the gift of Christ. Now, the word measure simply measure. The word measure, if you look at the measure, 
measure, measurement. It defines limit. It defines range. It defines boundary. It defines the specific area of influence, a borderline. So, there is God's ordained structure of authority and authorization to doing things. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's a structure and there's, I mean, qualitative measure of a gift. Somebody can heal the cripple in Jesus' name. Arise and walk. Another does not have that boundary line to stretch to. Another may have a boundary line of music when he sings. I was in a meeting yesterday and there's this guy who comes usually, I think I see my mentor loves to see this gentleman sing for him. When he's ministering, the gentleman is on the microphone. My God. He will minister and go and face the gentleman. The gentleman will be singing appellations to Jehovah God. And the man is charged. I have settled. This measure. He helps. He's a minstrel. Call me a minstrel. He sings the heaven open. The prophetic, for example, moves in that realm. He creates a defined moment for the prophetic to fly. This measure. What is your measure? What is your limit? What is your boundary? We may not know, so we keep stretching the limit. We keep pushing. We keep disturbing things that are working. Therefore, therefore, three things that relates to the grace of uh, the grace that is given to us, that is activated within us, that leads to the measure of giftings uh, that we have. So, three things. We, we, we need to look, I'll end on this, I'll end on this, I'll not, I don't need to go and explain all of them, but keep them to yourself and uh, research into them. When we talk about measure, then we talk about measure of gifting. Measure of gifting. Measure of gifting. An example. Somebody can be gifted in business to lay hold of a measure of 200,000 every month. That's a measure. His gifting is able to. <laughs> Whilst I was in Nigeria some years ago, one of my directors said he gave, he invited a carpenter to his house to do a project for him. He gave him 60,000 galaxies. He deliberately put the money, brought the money to the house in big sack. So when the guy came, he just removed the bundles and put in the guys and the guy started shaking and the money started falling. The guys have a gifted measure to carry 60,000. <laughs> he was just shaking. So, the measure of your gifting. We said the measure defines boundaries. So, the measure of your rule, your influence. Somebody is designed in the, in the camp of David where his captains are. There are people who led hundreds, there are people who led thousands, the thousands, and all. 50s. There is a measure. There is a measure. If, for example, if you're a preacher, one gentleman said, he said, oh, so prophet, I'll, I'll, prophet, you have not seen me minister before. You, you don't really, I, the way I look at you, you like for God. I said, yes. I like it, but there are a few ones, a few local songs that I like because they actually allude to God and allude to their promoting self-image and all. So, prophet, I'll come and visit you. I'll come and visit you in church. I'll come and visit you when you invite me. (laughs) 
If I want to visit church here, I don't need to be invited. I just visit. Whether I'm preaching or not, I visit. I come and sit down and soak and, and inspire. You see, people want to become what they are not. People want to occupy spaces that they are not. People want to become apostles that they are not given. People want to become, I mean, you can't just start, start, start business and you expect that, okay, I'm going to make 200 million straight. The very thing that you are making 200 million straight is the very thing that is destroying you. A gentleman, I was sharing with your pastor before the meeting began, that a gentleman came to me, the guy is young, he's made it big, young, big. Say, pastor, I'm afraid. Pastor, I'm afraid. Everybody's talking about me, the whole area where my company is. They said, I've gone to collect juju. I said, you've not collected juju. God wants all these things to happen to you so that you can draw closer to him. He has money. Man of God, he has money. Young guy. He called me on the phone and said, Pastor, I want to do some investment. I need just some food supplies or something. It will cost 400,000 Ghana cities. Prophet, please look inside for me if I should do it or not. Because the money is too big, I'm afraid. He's just afraid of everything. I said, I'll pray about it, but you can pray about it. I'll pray about it. The following day, he called me and said, listen, go ahead and do it. You'll succeed. You'll get your, your goods. Even if the people are in the middle of the storm, as for your good, it will arrive. I speak to you as a servant of God. Go. You'll succeed. Even when he knocks somebody, with a, somebody down in the street with his car, you call and say, prophet, something terrible has happened. I know as for you, it's not terrible news. I said, what is he said? And somebody did this and I was just trying to bypass and the back of my car hit the person. And I said, oh, Please relax. Buy them some. Take them to the hospital. Take good care of them. Now no, nobody will die. And make sure they go for their review again. And once everything is settled, you are okay. I say, thank you very much. I say, but when you go on your knees, pray for me. Everybody has this measure. If I have not arrived, you see, let me say something, pastors. Okay? When they bring somebody to you, the problem is carrying. If you know you don't have the anointing for it, direct the person to where the anointing is. If not, if you touch the person, that demon will deal with you. That is the reason why you see some pastors falling. Because they have dealt with situations that they have no anointing for. One of the greatest disappointments is to become more glorious than the power and the grace that you carry. Because of television and internet, people just, they are just everywhere and then they gun them down. Shoot them down and bring them low. Because they are not fitted. You need to you need to know the mess of your rule. What you can deal with. Is the reason why I pray for the sick. The sick will not get healed. I pray for the sick. Until I receive an added measure. Extraordinary miracle. And you need to know the measure of your faith. I end on this note. I end on this, this particular uh, note. We could talk about refine and, re and develop, develop your gift. We could talk about deploy your gift. But let me just... Um, Take one scenario. I have in my notes three big leadership stories. But I'll just take one. So that in the next uh, 15 minutes or so, we just wrap up on that. Uh, it's quite, not a long passage, but three big leadership stories. The first one is learning from the priest Jethro. So let's just look at Jethro. And leave all the other one. Learning from the priest Jethro. In the book of Exodus chapter 18. Ah, you see, people should have missed this session. 
It's a different session altogether. Because there shall be a performance. It cannot just also be by prayer. We also need to discover the other side. So after we pray, we put anointing. We discover the other side. Or we discover the other side, then we put anointing also on it. Then we are running. So the businessman goes and says, no, I can't run my business the way I'm running it anymore. I need to change a few things. I need to put proper structures. <laughs> in, my, in my notes, one of the big lessons, is one of the big lessons, uh, I think we're going to talk about, let me not run ahead of myself. Uh, let me not run ahead of myself. We'll talk about it shortly. Um, chapter 18 of Exodus. Let's, let's read that. The verse 13 to 27. Now, I think what I'll do is that as I read, I'll pass a few comments so that it makes it easier. So I just will leave uh, all the detailed notes aside. Let me pass a few comments and take note of some bullet points, uh, develop them tomorrow, and uh, it becomes yours. People say, I want to become like you. I want to fly like you. You know, there has to be a measure learning from Jethro. In the verse 13, and it was so on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. We are seeing a problem. Leadership. And we are seeing a problem. Now we understood that Moses, look at Moses, very great guy. He led a people who were, a people of slave mind, a, a, a slave mentality. He led them out of the house bondage, becoming a very great company, a people. So, we do not have a challenge that is so different from that of Moses. You are commanding the people that they are saying garlic and cucumbers and leeks. You are saying, okay, God is taking and saying, no, 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 we think the road is here. I mean, that is a challenge basically Moses faced. Now, they are settled in the wilderness and the people had issues, had problems. Moses is this man that is carrying the anointing. Everybody wants to come to him. Hear what God is saying. And he would judge and put clarity into the matter. But something kept going wrong. He would sit from morning till evening. Talking and judging the people. Now, in the verse 14. So, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing? For the, for the people. Why do you why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning to evening? Now let's understand the person who is talking and let's see how great we are in being in Africa. You understand that the place called Midian is actually located in Africa. And this great priest, nobody knows his mother, his father, his background. But there is a priest that is from uh, somewhere in Africa is bringing so strong an inspiration into leadership. We, we are not a people sleeping in trees. We are a people that have solution. And we are going to be paid. We are going to be chased after because we provide solution to problems. So he says, what you are doing is not good. So just imagine yourself leading people and you do everything. You do the worship, the preaching, and all. I just could imagine could imagine when I ask my people, well, I'm not here. What happened? The whole thing will collapse. So we have to put in serious mechanism and start strong leadership training from now into the future. I mean, locally, you should begin to design a leadership program knowing where God is taking you. A businessman, you should begin to have serious strategic 
plenary sessions and, and development sessions. I mean, a lot of business people are making money. They don't want to send their employees out to go and learn and sharpen their skills. You want to keep them on the same, meanwhile, the world is running ahead and the technology is moving and you still want to make the same money and make the same impact. No. That is Moses' position. What you are doing is not right. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come because the people come to me to inquire of God. Now look at it. Moses is perhaps saying, I am the only person who can hear God. Alright. Nobody can hear God apart from me. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his law. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. I wish you can go back and look at that Hebrew word good. It's not excellent. It cannot be. It's irrelevant. It's bankrupt. You need to do an organizational audit. Look into your church and begin to audit. What are we doing wrong? You see, great leaders are committed to incremental thinking. <laughs> They are committed to thinking about how to expand and better ways of doing things. The Holy Spirit is not against it. So this is my great-grandfather's clock. This is the way we preach. We continue to preach like that. I've been saying if you go before God, you say, God, give me Holy Ghost baptism, I'll be holy. He will still give you. You go to him and say, give me Holy Ghost baptism so that I can prophesy. He will give you. But lying in even Holy Ghost baptism, the potential of the apostolic was in there. So the day Peter and the rest received the Holy Ghost baptism, they started moving in the prophetic. And they said, this is it. Apostle says, this is it. This is what was prophesied by Joel. That the sons and daughters will prophesy. The elderly people will dream visions. They will see visions and that and that and that. And upon all my handmaidens and what? I'll pour my spirit. This is it. It's happening now. The apostolic move was bet out of one drop of an inspiration of the Holy Ghost. A man spoke in Matoki Para. And that is it. An apostolic move was set on edge. And we have a generation of a church that is locked in just speaking in tongues and never moving. We have some teachers say, going beyond speaking in tongues. We need, to, we need to have a teaching. Look, going beyond Pentecost. Beyond Pentecost. There is something beyond Pentecost. We need to. So, do an organizational audit. Businessman. Whatever. Audit. What am I doing wrong? This thing you're doing is not good. At all. It's not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Priest Jethro. Learning from Jethro. Say, listen now to my voice, the voice of counsel. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. I love this. Where was God? Look, audit your organization. Audit your leadership. Youth leaders come together. What are we doing wrong? I told my leaders, I said the year is coming to an end. You need to begin to audit yourself because I am auditing myself. And I picked simply this um, model in strategy, uh, 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 strategy, um, 
SWOT analysis. I picked just the SWOT analysis model. I was telling them that there is a slept analysis where you can do your political, but we are not going, we are not investing somewhere. So what we want to do is just to do personal assessment of ourselves and our activities and organization. When we organize an event, we, we go back and just have a simple meeting. How was the event? What went wrong? The preaching was very long. People were complaining. The time is past. And, and uh, pass up this and that. Okay, I said, okay, now I'm going to shock everybody. So I, end, I landed in church before everybody landed. I said, I'm closing. I'm preaching for 45 minutes and I minister 15 minutes and we close. And it's by 10.45. And that day, even the technology of recording messes up and we close 11.30. <laughs> I can imagine. But I told them that, look, we are working at it and we become it. And some people in this process will focus more on their strength. SWOT analysis, you know, simply is S W O T. So the S speaks about this, your strength. What is it that you are doing well? You encourage it. What are the factors that are engineering that thing to run? How did we succeed? How did we get 100 people to attend the meeting? Okay. Let's encourage that factor. But let's discover a better way of doing it. How did we achieve the level of desired impact? You know, you can run a program and 20 people will attend. And the impact will be generational. And you can run a program and 100 people will attend. There is no impact at all. It also all starts from the planning of the meeting. What goes into the meeting? You have about six weeks to plan for a meeting. Maybe I give my leaders, you have six weeks, plan for a meeting. Maybe they use the first four weeks to do detailed, should I call it, internal mass planning. What is it that internally will hold the thing up? What is the concept that underlines and that gets what we are about to do? If we do this, what impact will it create? Will we arrive at the end of God? They've used four weeks planning, talking, building concepts. Then somebody will use one week to do all of the, all of the planning and then use the remaining week play, praying. Go into the meeting and you realize that the people that use four weeks have designed a system such that any single person that entered into the meeting will not escape without being identified and known. But the other used one week and therefore could not have time to put in feedback processes. So people will come into the meeting and they are gone. Let's do something. How do I increase my church members? to do something. It requires deep planning. It says that when you listen to my voice, God will be with you. There is a place in leadership when we enter, God comes to join us. This is it. We are here for. It says God will be with you. Stand before God for the people. That's number one. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring so that you may
bring the difficulties to God. Ha! See where leadership is starting from. Says that you know that you can solve the problem, but go to God. I talk about unction, right? Very key. I don't want to do too much comment. In the next 10 minutes, I should wrap up on this. We've done almost about an hour, 30 minutes talking in this session. It's almost 12.30, so we can break and interact, uh, drink water, walk around. Let's talk to one another. Call somebody and say you are missing the session. Uh, maybe we'll do some 30 minutes more and we wrap up, go and rest, come back fully loaded. Stand before God. And said, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws. Show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. So audit your organization and you begin to change things. You educate the people, you teach, you, you, you teach them, you impact them. They begin to do what you are able to do. The only thing that comes to you are the difficult things. I was telling my people in church, I said, look, I don't want to run an organization where is pastor dependent. If pastor is not there, the church collapse. If pastor is there, the church comes alive. I said, it's not good organization. I don't want to be part. I'm raising an institution of 3,000 leaders. That is what I want to. Raise an institution of 5,000 leaders, 50,000 leaders. Once my church grows beyond 100, we are all leaders. 200, we are all leaders. 1,000, we are all leaders. You go to a place where there are 4,000, 6,000 sitting in a meeting, you have now, just imagine in an organization where you have, you know, the iceberg principle. Just write in your note, the iceberg principle. The iceberg principle. Where the iceberg principle is saying that what you see on the top is just one-tenth of what lies beneath. So, you have a church, an organization, where 10, 10%. So, let's say we have 100. Out of the 100, uh, 10% is uh, 10 people. Right. Out of 100, 10% is 10 people. Just imagine the people that are able to carry the weight of the whole church, the pillars are just 10. Compared to the iceberg principle that has 9% lying down. But 1% that is showing. So what does it mean? You have 90 of the people in church actually are the one holding the church together. What, what do you think that organization will look like? This is where we need to begin to change our organization and what we do. There are, there are business people, they don't want to, want to empower, they are afraid. Say, my business secret, they can't empower this one. Meanwhile, they are the people working. The, the leader is afraid. So if I give the microphone to him, he will collapse my church. He will take the people away from me. You didn't bring them, so God will keep them. And in fact, when people scatter people's churches, what they don't know is that the owner is waiting on the other side to question them. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against Matthew 16, 18. They, they will meet him and he will question them and judge them. So, train the people. Develop your people. In my little organization that I ran, I ran a leadership session twice every month. After church, I do one hour, 30 minutes, teaching purely on leadership. And I told them, in this school, you do not graduate. If you become the ACPOP, 
in my, in my church, you have not graduated. We are all in a learning process and we'll continue to learn. So every two weeks, teach your leadership. I'm teaching how to grow through the word of God. I tell you, I said, look, I don't care whether you read PhD in Bible study. You listen to me too. Let me just teach you how to grow through the word of God, how to prepare uh, teachings, how to prepare notes, and you lead people and teach them. So I, I, I tell them, before you go to the Bible school, you are even, you know so much, and you go to formalize and add a certificate to it. And you get ordination, addition, finish. Then on the other end, teaching purely on leadership. I'm teaching the principles. Discover yourself. Know this. Strategy. Vision. I mean, things that make leadership work. How, how you do not need to abuse leadership. Teach, teach, teach. So many things. So many things. Develop your people. Verse 21, it said, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men. So, we are raising an institution of leaders. The whole church is a leadership organization. Nobody is in the peripheral. However, you need catalysts. Who can I use to move this man? To move that lady? So, Jethro says that select able men. We need able men. Able, because the word is the work is a difficult work. We need able men, businessmen, able men. You need able men in organization. Able men, talented, gifted, able men. Such as fear God. Don't go and take somebody that has money and you just put a person in leadership. You collapse your church. You come and tell you that Pastor, I gave I gave two, 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 two hundred thousand the other day. Pastor, put this one in leadership, sack this one. Everybody is a leader, but there are qualities we look for. Able men, fear of God, and men of truth. People who speak the truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers, to be leaders, to be servers, people who set thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty. And rulers of ten. You can see the measure, the issue of measure coming up here. In the verse 22, let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall handle themselves or they shall judge by themselves. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. I said something during the session. So, for example, if you are a businessman, you are picking an employee. Look for people who are into the vision rather than people who are seeing a job and a salary. Man of God, when I started the school, the prophetic school, I'll tell you a story. We, we are spirit people. If I'm talking to business people, um, I'll, be, I'll use ethical language in some of the things. Because that is what they will understand. If you talk about things, they will not understand. So let me talk a bit. Now, when I started the prophetic development school or school of the gifts or uh, school of the supernatural, I had a friend 
We said, I want to be part of you. We had a note. I wrote the courses. Most of the courses, that I wrote them myself. How to hear God, I wrote it myself. Apostolic ministry, I wrote it myself. Who is a prophet, I wrote it myself. Prophetic flow, I wrote it myself. How to develop your spiritual senses, I wrote them myself. The prophet and the nations, I wrote them myself. I mean, so many things. This friend of mine said, I had the notes, I, 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 the school I want to. Then I had a dream. In this dream, I was on the motorway, I was driving a pickup. Maybe a Ford pickup or Toyota Helos pickup, something like that. And this friend of mine, he's big. He's a prophet too. But he was sitting on my lap. I mean, just imagine the size of the person and I'm trying to control the steering. So on the motorway, I kept going that way, that way. I almost would want to crash, but I navigated, controlled the vehicle, and halt. I took them to a location, supernaturally, in the dream. And I came back to the vehicle and I woke up. I'm like, wow, what is this? I have no clue. He has no link to anything that I know of. But as I kept praying, God said, anybody that must be part of the school of the supernatural as a facilitator must go through the school. If not, you are going to be driving and they will be turning the steering in different directions and they will, you will crash and they will never be. I saw pastors and said, oh, wonderful. When they saw the banners online, I want to come and teach. I want, who, are they, who are the facilitators? You're not thinking about what is the content of what we're teaching. He says, men will be able to bear the burden with you. Today, a lot of pastors, they just see people, they buy them. Oh, come and join me. One told me, one great guy in this country, the one we're talking about, I mentioned to you today. Well, some he said, he said, what do you need in this life? Where you are working, how much do they pay you? I'll buy you a house, I'll buy you a car. He wants to literally buy me. And I am finished. He said, you are a great guy. Even what you carry is bigger than me. I'll put you on radio. It is not man that makes another. It is God. If you put me on radio before my time, they will kill me. So it's not just anybody at all you bring into leadership, but people who can bear the burden. And therefore we are saying that, assuming pastor says, come and bear. You are not running away. Say so you have to do this, then the person disappears from church. It, it means the person is not mature, matured yet. We must be a people because of institution of leadership. Actually, right, say, Pastor, what can I do to help church? What area can I be helping? Because leaders have foresight. They can see, they can dream, they can become. Let's just end on that. He says, so if you do this thing and God so command you, then you will then you will be able to endure all the people and will also go to their also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he has said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, rulers of thousand, uh, rulers of hundred, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. 
So they judged the people at all times. They had cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let the father-in-law depart and he went his way to his own land. Beloved, I want to end on this note. Learning from Jethro. Great leadership principles are locked in there. We need to re-strategize. We need to audit our organization. We need to, we need to actually look at our organization and bring transformation. We need to begin to inspire a new hope. I trust that you've been blessed by, by these few things that I've shared with you. And